encouraging word, and the title of my message today is, I am Saul and so are you. Um, so I swear that there's something good in here, um, but yeah, so we're, we're in Acts chapter 9 and 10 today, um, and man, I really felt that, you know, I sh- we should just read the story. We should just read the story of, of Saul's life, of the things that Peter was up to um, in these chapters, and just kind of trying to go through them and, and see what's going on. Um, man, worship was great. Can we give it up to the worship team? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But uh, just on that note, I, I appreciate all of you guys so much, just the, your faith that you show up with it every morning. I know that, you know, just a voice and a guitar is, is kind of difficult, and, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to get into worship when there's, like, synth and bass and drums and all that stuff, Uh, but man, you guys are really showing up with a lot of faith and a lot of um, just heart to serve the Lord through through music and song, Um, and so I know I appreciate it. I know Matt back there in the back, my my partner appreciates it as well, Um, so yeah, let's just let's just keep it up. Let's use our voices to, to, you know, lift up God and and honor him the way that he should be honored. Um, So yeah, I, I wanted to talk about Saul today. Um, Saul becoming Paul. Um, Michaela kind of touched on this last week, um, and it was, it was really, really great. Um, but Paul, you know, being one of the, one of the fathers of faith, um, started his life out as actually the, quite the opposite of that, um, quite the persecutor of Christians. Um, he was a religious leader, um, and yeah, he really, really did not like this, this Jesus movement that was, that was sweeping um, Israel. Um, and I actually watched a uh, Bible project video on Acts, like they split Acts up into a couple of sections. Um, and one thing that they pointed out was, that was really interesting was that, you know, we, we want to look at Saul's actions as evil. And they were, I mean, they, he was persecuting and killing Christians. Um, but his worldview was the thing that I found really interesting because, you know, he was a religious leader, he, he was a devout Jew, and in Israel's history, there was a long, long, long line of, of Israel um, worshiping and, and making idols of false gods, and the destruction of Israel that ensued from those actions. Um, and so it was really interesting to kind of get into that mindset of like, okay, yeah, Saul, like, Saul was doing what he felt like he needed to based on his worldview. Um, and I think that's where we find ourselves a lot of the time. Like, we, we talk a lot about worldview in, um, in this church and in Call to Greatness as a body because it's super, super important. The way that you view the world is the way that you live your life. Um, your actions are dictated by how, um, by what you see around you um, and so, you know, we can, we can look at Saul's actions as, as evil, but, you know, according to, according to his worldview, he was doing exactly what he should be doing. Um, and so, you know, Saul's doing his thing in, in Jerusalem, um, and he, he gets word that there's a Jesus movement breaking out in Damascus. Um, and so he's, he's going to go to Damascus snuff that out, make sure that the, the Jesus movement isn't, isn't going any further. Um, and that's where we're going to pick up um, in Acts 9, verse 3. It says, As he was going along, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, Who are you, Lord? He replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But stand up and enter the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood there speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. So Saul got up from the ground, but although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, his companions brought him into Damascus. For three days he could not see, and he neither ate nor drank anything. And so... You know, this, there's this crazy, crazy encounter with, with Jesus that Saul has. Um, and, you know, it's, it would seem almost easy, like, in, in our minds to be like, oh, yeah, if we saw, saw Jesus easily, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do what he says. But, you know, that's not necessarily the trend that we see. Like, Moses saw the burning bush, and he was still like, but are you sure? And then God was like, yeah, I'm sure. But then he's like, but are you really sure? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, you know, Saul goes. He goes, to, he goes on to Damascus. Um, I don't, you know, we don't know a lot. I don't necessarily know if his heart was turned at that point. Um, because, I mean, he's blind, so he's not really going to be doing a lot for the next couple of days. Um, and then he meets Ananias. Now, this is not the Ananias that we talked about in Acts 3 and 4 that uh, is struck down by God for lying to the church. This is Ananias of Damascus, so a different Ananias. Um, God speaks to Ananias and says, hey, uh, this guy's coming. This name, he's a guy named Saul. Um, you're going to go to him, um, and you're going to pray for him. And Ananias is like, okay, this is the big leagues because this is Saul. Saul's known throughout this entire region as the, the big persecutor of Christians. Um, and so he goes, and uh, he meets with Saul, he prays for him, and it says that the scales fell off of his eyes, and he immediately was baptized. And so Saul's story is significant to me because it's kind of the first, pers- the first story that we see of a person who hasn't met Jesus, like, didn't meet Jesus in the flesh, wasn't with him, and went on to change the world. You know, Jesus is Jesus, so he knows himself. He changed the world through, through his miracles, through him training up the disciples, and through his eventual death. Um, the disciples walked with Jesus, and so, you know, they spent three years with him learning and, and gaining knowledge, um, and so they went on to change the world. But Saul never met Jesus, and he didn't meet any of the disciples until, after, until later, um, and so I think there's something significant about Saul. Um, you know, God saw Saul's influence. He was a huge, uh, religious leader at the time. And so God was like, I want to use him to spread my name throughout the world. And I think that's what God wants to do with us today. There's something significant about each one of us that he wants to use to see his name spread throughout the entire world. Um, and, Saul's influence is interesting because uh, Saul already had that, you know, but God elevated it and used it for his kingdom. Um, and I think about in, in my life, like, you know, I, I was a musician before I knew God, but when I became a follower of Jesus, that was elevated and used for a greater purpose. You know, playing music was for my own enjoyment and my pride and for people to adore me and my talent. And, you know, when I met God, he was like, hey, that's all garbage. Like, 
that's not what I have for you. I have something greater for you. And so now, like, I get to use music to, to elevate um, not only my, my talents, but elevate God into the position that he should be in. Um, and so, yeah, so Saul goes to Damascus. He meets Ananias. And I think that that's, that's really, really significant because, you know, when, when Jesus is talking to Saul, he says, but stand up and enter the city and you will be told what you must do. And, you know, as I was, as I was reading, I was kind of like, why didn't God just give him the instructions then? Like, why didn't God give him his calling then? Um, and I think the bottom line is that people are needed. You need people around you. Um, and so, you know, God led Saul to Ananias. Um, and Ananias, you know, brought him up, blessed him um, with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the other, the other Christians in Damascus were terrified of Saul. Ananias was really the only person that was like, okay, here is a man that God is going to use. I'm going to um, lay down my preconceived notions. I'm going to lay down the fact that, hey, literally three days ago, this guy was coming here to hunt me down um, because, you know, I see, I see the calling that God has on this person. And each one of us had a person in our lives just like that, that we were living in sin, we were living for our own selfish desires, we were living for um, just what the world says we should be living for, and then someone encountered us and led us to, led us to God and led us to a higher place of living. Um, and so, yeah, after Ananias blesses Saul with the Holy Spirit, Saul begins preaching immediately, um, which is so crazy to me. Because, man, what a, what a strong, like, 180 to take. Like, you know, when, when we become, like, when I became a Christian, it was like six months before I even wanted to share my faith with anyone. Because I was like, I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm just here. And Saul just immediately, the next day, was preaching the gospel. And, you know, that's kind of... That's kind of what we should expect for ourselves as well. Is like, man, you know, when we're met with the gospel, it's such a compelling story that we should want to share it immediately. Um, and in our small groups a couple weeks ago, um, if you're not going to a small group, go to small group. It's great. Um, we have an awesome time. We, we learn a lot. Um, but we talked about the importance of not watering down the gospel and not like changing it to, you know, so that it's acceptable to the people that we're talking to. Um, and I think that that's really significant because, or sorry, watering down, oh my goodness, Woo, caught it. Um, you know, when we, when we water down the gospel, I think that's what leads to that like couple month transition of like, man, this person's got to learn this, they got to learn this, they got to learn this before they can start talking about Jesus. But it's like, man, if we start meeting people with like the King Jesus gospel, man, how quick are, is that turnaround going to be? Like, as soon as I heard, like, the true, the true gospel, like, I grew up in the church, so I knew about Jesus, I knew about God, but I'd never really heard the gospel. Like, when I heard the gospel, I was like, okay, that's a story to live for. Like, that's a story that I want to devote my life to. Um, and so I think, you know, we've we got to be better storytellers. We talk about that in Call to Greatness all the time. Like, man, we've got to be the best storytellers because we not only hold the greatest story ever to be told in the gospel, but our testimony is so important of how God met us, our testimony is so important that we have to be like on lockdown. Like, okay, I can tell my testimony in a minute, two minutes, 
five minutes, 15, three days. Like, you know, we, we got to be good storytellers because that's how we, that's how we expand the gospel. Um, so Saul starts preaching. Um, the Jewish leaders are totally flabbergasted because they're like, wait a minute, I thought this was our guy. Um, and so they immediately start uh, plotting to kill him. Um, Saul gets word of that. He escapes to Jerusalem. Um, he meets Barnabas, which we talked about Barnabas a couple weeks ago in the uh, Ananias and Sapphira story. Barnabas, the man of great encouragement. Um, the, the disciples in Jerusalem were, again, terrified of Saul because of his reputation that preceded him. Um, but Barnabas brings him in and brings him to the apostles and hear his, hears his story. Um, so he starts preaching in, in Jerusalem. Um, people still want to kill him in Jerusalem. And so he goes to Tarsus. And um, from Tarsus, that's where he launches his ministry into, into the world. Um, so now we roll up on Peter. Um, Peter is, is doing, some, doing his thing. Um, he, I love verses 32 through 35 because it like just casually mentions that he uh, heals a man who's been confined to a mattress for eight years. They're just kind of like, he's like, yeah, get up. And the guy's like, okay, cool. And then, the, and then the Bible just moves on. I, I thought that was so funny. I was like, wait a minute, are we not going to talk about that? That he just, you know, raised that guy? Um, and then the very next story is him raising Tabitha from the dead. Um, so Peter is, is cranking. He's like doing his thing. Um, he's performing great miracles, um, just like Jesus said that he would. And then Jesus, uh, Peter meets the centurion, um, visits Cornelius. So Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army. Um, very, very high up in power and influence. I think we're seeing a theme of God reaching people with power and influence. Um, he was a devout, God-fearing man, um, and he gets a vision that God says, hey, you uh, need to call for this man named uh, Simon Peter. Um, and so he calls for Peter, um, and I think that this is a, a really really important story that also goes back to even Saul and what we can learn a lot from is um, after, after the centurion sends for Peter, Peter gets a vision from God of, of a, a sheet falling from the heavens and a bunch of unclean animals were, were on the sheet. And God tells him, get up Peter, slaughter and eat. And Peter's a Jew, so there are like uh, there are traditions about food, what you can eat, what you can't eat. And Peter, being Jewish, he doesn't eat the things that are unclean. Um, so he tells God, I've never eaten anything unclean. Why would, you, why would you have me do that? And God says something really, really important here. He says, do not make unclean what God has called clean. Um, and, and spoiler alert, God's not just talking about food. Um, he's, talking about, he's talking about people. He's talking about... Um, situations. He's talking about, um, yeah, people groups. Um, And so Peter kind of keys into that, and so he goes to the Roman centurion. Well, that is a very, very big deal in Jewish culture that's actually breaking the law. Um, In the next chapter, Peter actually has to defend his actions of going to meet with the uh, centurion. Like, Peter's not just, like, farting in a room and walking away. Like, that's messed up. You shouldn't do that. But, you know, it's not against the law. 
Like, he's actually doing something that he very well should not be doing. Um, and, you know, Peter recognizes it. The centurion and his household recognizes it. Um, but he goes, um, and he, he blesses those people with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so with, with that action, like, man, how does that, how does that apply to our lives? Like, what are, we, what are we looking at that God has called clean as if it's unclean? Um, the thing that, you know, immediately went to my mind was like, you know, we don't necessarily consciously make the decision of like, oh, this person is unclean. But there are people that we see and interact with that we're like, I'm going to move to the other side of the street. Or I'm going to like get some distance between me and that person. And it's like, that's not what God wants for us. Like, God wants to meet every single person. Um, and, and so, yeah, we need to make sure that we're not making unclean what God has called clean. Because we were unclean. You know, we were, we were dirty and selfish and sinful. Um, and God made us clean. Um, and there were people around us that accepted us. You know, this church um, accepted each one of us into, into the body and into a place where we could see our calling um, being further fulfilled. Um, and so, you know, we can, it's so easy to look at the story of Saul and be like, okay, he was wrong here, he was wrong there, um, now he's a good guy. Um, but it's, it's hard to look inwardly and be like, okay, I was Saul. Like, I wasn't persecuting Christians, but, you know, I was, I was living a selfish life, I was living... Uh, you know, a life of, I served on my church's worship team, and then the rest of my week was not Christian at all. Like, I was, I was lost in pornography and masturbation, and, um, but yet I can, like, look at Saul and be like, oh yeah, he was, he was bad. That, that wasn't good. Um, and so, you know, we're all, we're all partially Saul, um, but the good news is that Jesus the good news is Jesus, because, you know, Saul didn't have to stay Saul. He changed his name to Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament, um, probably one of the most important people uh, in, in the Bible. So in, in, like, gaming, there's, like, classes of, of stuff. So, like, there's, like, S-tier to, like, F-tier. And, like, if we were ranking the disciples, like, G- Judas is, like, F-tier, um, but, like, you know, Jesus, Peter, Paul, like, they're all S-class. Like, they're up there. But and yet, you know, Saul's story was a story of of persecuting Christians, of of all of this, um, and so, um, you know, I I wanted to, you know, primarily be in discussion um, with you guys. Um, we don't necessarily have to be like just confined to tables, but um, I have some questions up here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's just talk about these questions. What does Saul's transformation tell you about God's character? Anybody got anything? Super forgiving. Yeah, super forgiving. Anybody else? What was that? True. True. There's hope. That's great. Yeah, because with, with hope, it's like, it's so easy to see our mess and our stuff as like, oh, I'm never going to get through this. Like, oh, this is, 
I've been in this for years. I'll be in this for years to come. Um, but it's like, no, there's, there's, there's hope. There is truth in God's transformative power. Anyone else? Strategic. I like that. It's a little weird that he picked Saul, but of course he's going to pick Saul. Because he wants to have the connections in, in, in the Jewish community. Exactly. Exactly. And of course he also brings up Barnabas of all people. Uh-huh. And then he kind of expands outward. Yeah, because Saul, you know, like we said before, Saul's name was known throughout the region. And so, like, when, when people get word of Saul's preaching the gospel, he's, like, talking about uh, Jesus. You know, right after this story is the big spread of, like, the disciples going throughout the nations, um, preaching the gospel everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, Saul's name, like, carries a lot of weight. Um, so that's good. He's very strategic. Yeah, because there's, there's skill sets that, that you have, that each one of us have, that God wants to use for his purposes, um, that he blessed us with. You know, he, Saul's influence was a blessing. Saul's, like, conviction about, uh, about what he believed in was a blessing because, you know, it was used for, for evil in persecuting Christians, but, you know, insert Jesus into the equation, and we have one of the greatest spreaders of the gospel in, in the world. Does anyone else have... Any other, any other thoughts about character, God's character? That he's above everything. The fact that uh, uh, above the world, like Saul's, like doing his thing, but yet uh, he's able to step in mm-hmm. and have control over the world by taking a side of all in for against him. Mm-hmm. Just a miracle changed his heart. You know, so he's he's above the world. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, and, and just like kind of what Bailey was talking about, like God's up to any challenge. Like, you know, Saul would be the, like, you know, we talk about people who are so far gone. Like, that's kind of a, no, I don't think anyone, like, consciously wants to believe that, but I think we just make the decision for people that were like, oh, they're so far gone. Like, you know, the church as a whole looks at the LGBTQ LGBTQ community is they're so far gone. They've given in to such a worldview that, you know, they're just send them to hell already. But it's like, no, that's not true. Like, they're, you know, they're not murdering Christians. Like, Saul's murdering Christians, and yet God, in an instant, changed their life. And I think that that should, you know, solidify in our mind that, like, hey, there's not a single person that is, that isn't able to be reached by the gospel. There's not a person that, you know, you can think of the person in, in your life that's the most against Christianity, and it's like, yeah, God will change their life in an instant. Like, if we extend our faith to that person, God will change their life in an instant. Um, and so, yeah, I think that this, you know, this story of Saul um, kind of proves, A, that there's, uh, there's not unclean things. Like, you know, Saul was... I think when Peter was ta- talking to the centurion about, like, hey, don't make things unclean that God made clean, like, God made Saul clean, and yet, you know, Jewish leaders and Christians wanted to still, like, make him unclean and make him the person that was persecuting Christians when God had already wiped that clean from the slate. Um, 
and then that, yeah, there's, there's not a person that can't be reached by the gospel. There's not a person that God doesn't want to use to expand his kingdom. Um, because if there were people that God didn't want to use to expand his kingdom, then, you know, his kingdom would have never expanded. Like, he'd probably be done by now. Like, he's had 2,000 years to, to get his select group if he was looking for only certain people. Like, he could, he could have well and done that by now. But no, he wants to see everyone and the fullness of, of who, created them, who he created them to be. Um, and, you know, that takes time, that takes effort, that takes disciples. Um, and that's what you guys all are. We are all disciples. And we're called to make disciples. Um, what about that second question? Is Saul's transformation attainable in our lives? The easy answer is yes. But let's dig a little deeper. Yeah, he didn't just pray a simple prayer and was a completely different person. Like, you know, he, he launches his ministry from Tarsus, but we don't really know how long he was in Tarsus. Like, he could have been there for, you know, two months. He could have been there for three years, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that, you know, the I, I heard one time that your transformation is instant. You picking it up and living out of it is the process. Like, that, you know, you're, you're justified and sanctified the minute that you say, like, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Um, but every single day, there's aspects of you that you have to drop off and pick up the new you. And then drop off the old you, pick up the new you. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's good. Anybody else? Yep, that was Paul. And so it's a very interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. He has a tr- rapid transformation to being a Christian, but he didn't quite become perfect. Yeah. He ends up writing that you know, sometime down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Paul is kind of the, the crown jewel of what kind of what Bailey was talking about of like, hey, I'm still garbage. <laughs> like, I'm still really messed up, but. You know, I, I know that God has greater. Um, and, yeah, he wasn't perfect. And I don't think that we should expect to be perfect. Like, you know, stuff that we, stuff that we deal with can, you know, rear its head at any point. I find it so funny that Paul, like, 
has a thorn in his side to like keep him humble and he like blesses that like it's and I, if people don't really know if that's like a like he had a like a physical thing or if it was like a, a stronghold or anything like that um but yeah paul's just like yeah i have this thing in my in my life to keep me humble and to make me know like who's actually in control um which is super funny Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what what ha- what happens if yeah Ananias is like no that guy's I know what he's about I'm not meeting with him. What what happens if Peter doesn't call out Ananias and Sapphira like what we were talking about in our small group a couple weeks ago? Um, what happens if Peter says no to meeting the centurion? Like that's you know, that was the, the big, like, Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, like, that was a significant, significant part of the story of the gospel being spread. And um, in, our, in our small group last week, we were, we were talking about just, like, how to navigate issues of, uh, uh, like, social issues and stuff like that. And um, someone said, like, hey, we, we hear from the Holy Spirit way better than we think that we actually do. Um, and you know, that's cause we always second guess. We always want to be like, are you sure? Like, is that actually God or is that something else? Um, and you know, most of the time we're hearing from God. Um, and so, yeah, our, our yes should be more on our lips than our no when it comes to like what God's asking us to do. Um, and that's a really, really difficult step to take, um, I know that I'm certainly saying no more often than I say yes. Um, but yeah, like, you know, would the gospel have been spread in, in the, it, I mean, it would have spread. You know, the church is winning in history. Um, we believe that as a church that, yeah, the, go- the gospel is going to reach everyone. The church is on the up. We're not on the down. Um, and so it would have happened. But man, how, how long? How long would it have taken if, you know, these strategic meetings that we read about didn't happen? Um, One more person, thoughts on question two? I think it's difficult. I think it's really, really difficult. Um, Yes, it's attainable. but yeah, kind of how we've been talking, like it's not a flip of the switch. Um, it's, a, it's a daily choice. Um, but, you know, there's, there's far greater on the other side of that choice than what we're currently living in. Um, Bailey and I have been watching Hoarders on Netflix. Um, and it's these people, if you don't know what hoarding is, it's like they, they're just, their house is full of crap. Like it's just, 
There was one lady that like you walked in her front door and you literally had to climb a mountain of stuff and then crawl through like the the kitchen. Like the there was so much stuff piled up that there was only like a two foot gap between the crap and the frame of her door. And um, you know they bring in psychologists, they bring in like professional cleaning crews, and they're like, hey, you gotta get rid of this stuff. Like this stuff is killing you. Like you're literally dying in your own house. And they're like, but I'm I like I got that thing that one time, and I want to sell that. Like it's it's an actual like it's an actual disorder, but they're like you're drowning in your stuff. And the only way to, you know, have to gain a better life is to get rid of this stuff. And uh, there was one lady who, like, she, uh, she sold stuff for a living. Like, they would go and buy out stores that were going out of business and then, like, sell it on secondhand. And she was, like, the city was, like, about to condemn her house and, like, fine her daily for, like, crap that she had in her backyard. And she was like, oh, I can, I can sell, I'm not going to throw that away. I can sell that for, like, 200 bucks. And the guy was like, hey, you're, the city is going to fine you $500 a day for that thing that you can make 200 bucks on just holding it. And it didn't run. So she was, he was like, you have to pay to get it fixed. You'll have to pay the city daily to keep it on your property. And then you can only make 200 bucks? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I'm just really into that show right now. So if you guys need a new show, watch Hoarders. (laughs) Oh, it's hard. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's hard for those people to throw that stuff away, but it's like you're living in a very, very difficult situation as it is. um, And so your life can only improve by getting rid of that stuff. And I think that that's, like, the stuff in us. Like, we're so used to living in our crap that it's, like, it's hard to take it away. But we're, we're drowning, as it is, in our, in our mess and in our crap. And it would be so much easier on the other side with all that crap gone. But, like, that transition of, of letting go of things that we've held on to for years is, is almost impossible. But watch hoarders. <laughs> um, Third question, how can we use this story to make disciples? It's what we're in the business of, making disciples. (laughs) You're already doing better than Saul. Shelter 
Yeah, I always, um, when I was growing up, you know, I would, one of the, like, things that I used against the Bible when I was an atheist was, like, hey, there's all these crazy things that are being told in the Bible and, like, people being raised from the dead, um, boats on the, in a flood, like, why don't we see any of that now? And I was, like, that, to me, that was, like, obvious proof that, hey, the, the, you know, the God of the Bible is no longer. Um, and that's just not true. It's just like we don't, you know, that... I, I, I often wonder, like, if, you know, the technological advances that we have, like all the, you know, the Burj Khalifa, like crazy tall buildings, like all of that is marvelous and all of that is so significant that, like, you know, stories like this, people just don't care about anymore. Or like, you know, people having cancer and going to a doctor's appointment and they're like, we can't find the cancer. And they're like, oh, that's just a medical thing, like whatever. But it's like, no, that person was prayed for two days ago in a prayer meeting and God healed their cancer. But it's like, we just, we want to dismiss this and that. Um, so yeah, you know, this is, this is happening today. Um, people are and yeah, we don't, know, we don't know the significance of the people that we're reaching out to. Like, we know that they have a higher calling, and we know that God wants to use them for a great and glorious purpose. But it's like, man, you could, you could meet someone at Starbucks tomorrow that get, God is wanting to use like he used Saul. Like, use him to spread the gospel farther than it has ever been spread before. Um, not to say that, like, if you miss out on that, that you're, like, a bad person or if you don't talk to that person, oh, no, you set God back five years. Like, <laughs> you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, but he wants us involved in that process. And he, you know, he, it, he'll give us something to do and be like, hey, if you want to do it, do it. Um, if you don't, I still love you. <laughs> but, um, but that's good. Any, any other thoughts? How can we use this to make disciples? How can we change our mindsets um, looking at this story to a mindset of equipping the nations?
Yeah. I can still forgive those. I can still do exactly what I wanted to do because choosing the most broken people and the most fallen people to spread the kingdom is like more impressive and more approved of like mm-hmm. really good. Cool. You guys have a lot of great ideas. <laughs> um, let me pray for us, um, and I'll, I'll give it back to Hema. Um, God, we just thank you for being here this morning. God, thank you for um, just your word. Um, God, that there's no, there's no place that you can't go. There's no person that you uh, can't change. Um, and so, God, I just ask that you would solidify that truth in our heart. Um, yeah, God, would you even just be highlighting one or two people um, that you, you want us to, to reach? Um, God, the people that in our lives that, yeah, you want to see added to the fold. Um, and so, God, we trust you. Um, God, would you speak clearly those people? Um, and, yeah, just bolster our faith um, for what you can do. Bolster our faith for, for who you are and, and God, your story. Um, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.